Welcome back to the Stone Pillar Podcast, where we explore the teaching ministry of South Paris Baptist Baptist Church. And I am your host, Dane Sampson. And I'm Brian Wilbur. Uh, uh, On this episode of the the Stone Pillar Podcast, uh, we're going to reflect on uh, the the topic of the most recent sermon um, regarding uh, forbearance and and bearing with one another in love uh, within the context of the church family. Um, So we'll just kind of, we'll just kind of chew on that and try to try to draw that out, uh, some of the uh, implications and the significance of that. So let, let, let's uh, let, let's let's open and let me pray. Sounds good, Father. Uh, we uh, we thank you for this opportunity to reflect upon your word. Uh, we pray that you would take your word and and drive it into the depths of our hearts. That there it would transform us, our outlook, our conversations, our relationships, and that you you would continue to to build up and strengthen the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So relationships. I mean, you know, if, 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 if you're a student of the Bible, then you know that life is about right relationships. Love for the Lord, love for your neighbor. Those are, those are you know, that encompasses our relationships, and yet being in a sinful world with sinful people, and even within the context of, of, of those who've been redeemed, we're not yet perfected. We, we, still, we still wrestle with, with sins. Um, relationships, especially relationships with one another, can be very uh, challenging. And, and hence, you know, Paul's instruction in Ephesians 4.2, where he calls us, uh, saying, <clears throat> with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3. So patience and forbearance are just huge. So let me, let me just, let's just start by, you know, just what are your thoughts on this, on this topic of forbearance, of bearing with one another in love in the body of Christ? Well, I, uh, I I love this portion of Scripture. I love, Ephesians is one of my favorite books. I, I love to spend time in Ephesians because I've I've found so much for my own practical personal life in in, in Ephesians. But really, like particularly in in chapter four, this is just like such a bullseye um, a center point, a, focal, a balance point in my own personal life. So I'm very excited to talk about this. But um, in relationships, in being in Christ, as Paul, as Paul says, um, we are like, and Paul says this as well. He says that he is a slave to Christ, and as a slave to Christ, uh, there's, I, I get a lot out of that. Um, a slave does not make decisions 
um, for their own wants and desires according to their own wants and desires because they are under a master that that is concerned with the, what he wants and his desires. So there's a higher there's a hierarchy of desires. Um, and this might be hard for us to relate to because we don't have um, you know slave master relationships. Like you know, it's not the same as in the biblical context. It's, it's similar. You know, we've got um, we have relationships like an employee and an employer. Um, but where I go with this is, we are part of a team. We are part of of a family. We are part of the body of Christ, and we are to be in Christ. And when we are in Christ, uh, we, we forfeit the privilege of making unilateral decisions. We forfeit the privilege of going our own way. And much like in a, in a marriage relationship, you are now no longer your own individual. You are now part of that marriage relationship. And the decisions that a husband makes have to be made with consideration for his spouse. And, and likewise, a wife has to make decisions with consideration for her husband. And, she, you know, neither one can run off, you know, half-cocked in either direction according to their own personal subjective wishes and wants because to do so... Um, undermines and jeopardizes the unity and the wholeness of the team. And, you know, using that team uh, analogy, we see this in you know, basketball, baseball, football teams. Um, you are part of a, a larger unit, um, uh, and there is unity within that team, and you, there, you, there's no star players you know, you, you have to pass the ball. You have to um, guard uh, the person who is moving the ball. You have, to, you have to think and move and operate so that the team is most effective. You have to think, move, and operate with the team in mind. You can't think, move, and operate with your own self and your own desire to score a layup or a touchdown or a home run as that is the driving factor of how you play the game because – those players, well, at least in my experience, those players typically get benched because they bring down the effectiveness of the unity of the team. And, you know, that's, these are, these are analogies that help me understand what the body of Christ is like. And, and they help me kind of creep my way in the direction of understanding what it means to be in Christ. When, when we are in Christ, we are share, we are, um, we are joint heirs of the promise. We are part of the kingdom. We are pursuing Christ together. Um, while individuals might be at different parts along this, this progression in their growing towards the fullness of the maturity of Christ, as we grow in that direction, it is essential that we are not running off as an individual, but we are running with the mindset that we are doing this to support and encourage and help those around us. Um, and we are no longer, like we are now slaves to Christ. And, and being slaves to Christ, we are now free to serve him who, who knows best. Um, we, we are no longer slaves 
to our own wants and desires, which is what the world calls freedom. There's, there's, this, there's this paradoxical, paradoxical thing about the freedom in the kingdom and the freedom of the world. The freedom of the world produces bondage and slavery, bondage to my, my own wants, my own desires, my own uh, emotional needs. But freedom for the kingdom means that now I lay those things down at the feet of Christ. Those things die at the cross. And now I am free to live according to the purpose that God has for me in Christ. And he is now bringing me and others with me um, in the body into the fullness of maturity, into the fullness of what it means to be the full stature of the perfect man, the, uh, the Messiah. And in this chapter, that's what we see. We see, you know, you mentioned in verse 2, humility. Um, my, my, chap, my translation renders it as meekness. Uh, I think you said gentleness, humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another and love, being eager to guard the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Well, that sounds like some, some team mate team work going on there. And then in verse uh, 13, you know, we all come to the unity of the belief of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature and the completeness of Christ. That we should no longer be children, tossed and borne about by every wind of teaching and the trickery of man and the craftiness of leading astray. That sounds very individualistic. That, that negative portion of that text sounds very much like a, a child seeks their own wants and mm-hmm. desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's, you know, maintain the truth and love. We grow up in all respects unto him who is the head Christ. Um, and I, I, there's so much more there that we could read forward, but I want to skip to verse 32 because this kind of, this kind of com- completes the picture for me. Um, in verse 32, it says, and be kind towards one another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another. As the Lord also forgave you in Christ. So like our forgiveness that we, we all are sharing in this forgiveness. Christ has forgiven me and he has forgiven you and he has forgiven so-and-so. And we share in this forgiveness. So if we are sharing in this forgiveness, I don't really have a lot to stand on. If I want to look at my brother or my sister and be, well, you know what? I'm now the judge of your life. Uh, what premise do I have to judge another person's life in that regard. We are both broken and flawed, and we are both seeking the kingdom. And you had mentioned, like, you know, looking at other people and um, who, who, you know, you don't know where they've come from. Like, maybe they're here today, and you see all the flaws with them in, in this moment today, but you don't see all the victories That's right. that have brought them to this moment today. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, different people have different walks and they're experiencing different victories. But in Christ, if they are in Christ, if we are in Christ, we are shares of forgiveness in Christ. And if we are forgiven, we are forgiven indeed. And it is important not only that that individual walk in that forgiveness by faith, but it is important that I I'll give them the, the, the space to walk in that forgiveness by faith and that I forgive them as I have been forgiven and mm-hmm. as they have been forgiven. It's just like 
in this flowing of love from the Father's throne, he has chosen to forgive this person. He has chosen to forgive me. And in the growing into maturity, it is incumbent upon me to put aside my wants and desires. And it, maybe, I, maybe I don't want to forgive them. Maybe forgiving them is hard. Maybe forgiving them is contrary to what I want. Maybe I want vengeance. Maybe I want retribution. Maybe I want a pound of flesh. Well, God has forgiven me. And I can't experience the forgiveness of God if I deny the forgiveness of God to my brother or my sister. And like all of this to me is just like leaping off the page in Ephesians chapter 4. So just to stick with the, the team metaphor sure. for, for a moment. Um, in, a team, in a team situation, be it basketball, baseball, football, what have you, what would what what would be some of the ways in which one teammate would um, require his teammates to 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 bear with him, to be patient with him? What what might be some you know practical examples? Um, I am not terribly proficient in team sports. I did play some basketball, but I think that. You know, in my very limited basketball career, my teammates at times had to bear with me as I might have done a poor job. Um, I typically would play center. You missed a layup. I missed a layup or I, I, did, not, I did not provide an effective defense mm -hmm. um, or uh, maybe I was fouled against and I, I missed the free throw. And I just, I just messed up. I screwed up. I missed the target. Oh, that sounds like sin, missing the target. Right. So I missed the target. I missed the opportunity to score points for my team. And everyone gives you that side eye, and they're all disappointed in you. Um, in this team, there is no place for the side eye because God's kindness leads us unto repentance. Mm. And he's not giving us a side eye. Mm -hmm. He is using his kindness to lead us to repentance. And it's much more effective when a team sees somebody screw up and they're like, yeah, he knows he screws up. He, he knows he screwed up. I don't mm -hmm. need to remind him that he screwed up. Mm -hmm. um, now let's encourage him uh, to not screw up in the future. Let's like, be, like, come around him and be a team to him um, so that he can uh, continue to grow in his skills and, and his competence and, and know that whether he fails or succeeds, we fail and succeed together. We are in this together. Um, and at least that's how I would, that's how I would engage with it. The, the, the example you gave, uh, you, you know, giving yourself as the example of, of one who needed, you know, who needed, you needed your teammates to bear with you. Um, it, it reminds me of something that I that I didn't say in the sermon, and that is that one of the things that can promote in us the humility that that, that the Lord calls for um, at the beginning of verse two. Um, one of the things that can promote humility in me is the sober recognition that I am the sort of person who needs other people to bear with me. Absolutely. I, I need other people Absolutely. to put up with me. And, and um, that shouldn't make me want to like, you know, make a point of it. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go out of my way to give you opportunities to extend forbearance. I'm not that, but, but just, but it's sobering to realize, you know what? Hey, 
hey, I've got, I've got imperfections. I've got flaws. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to sin. Um, and I need you all to put up with me. And, and, and so, and we can all say that and that, that can, you know, that can sober us up. And if I'm the sort of person who needs to be born with, then I, I should, I should be willing to bear with others. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Absolutely. Do unto others as, as you would have them do unto you. And it's not a choice. It's like, it's like, well, it, I guess it is a choice on some level, but it's like, I don't have to like that. Mm -hmm. God doesn't say you, you have to enjoy this. <laughs> he says you have to obey. And that's the end of it. It's like it, either we're going to obey in this and we're going to walk in faith obedience in this or we're not. And, 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 it, and it might, it might really be very difficult. And it often is. You know, when someone needs to be forgiven, truly forgiven, it's because they've truly screwed up. And when they've truly screwed up, it's like what's needed is true forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, <laughs> it, that's not comfortable because it's a, contrary to how our human wants and desires are wired. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, the, the, the more hard it is to forgive somebody, it's like the more necessary it is mm -hmm. to forgive them. Mm -hmm. Let's. I want, I want to pursue a line of thought that that relates to circumstances in which we need to bear with one another. But 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 sin is not is is not necessarily involved. Sure. I mean I mean sinfulness yeah. is always our sinfulness is always in the picture in general. But but I'm thinking of situations that aren't aren't involving specific yeah. sin. Yeah, I think you had mentioned in your sermon something. About Something along the lines of like just people who have mannerisms that grate on your nerves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, that, that, that's a good example. And then, um, so in Colossians three, it's really interesting. In in uh, Ephesians four, at the at the beginning of Ephesians four and the end, you, you mentioned verse thirty two. So, all of these qualities that Paul mentions at the beginning and end of Ephesians chapter four, he 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 puts basically those same terms, those same qualities into a few verses in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Um, uh, and so, so in, in verses 12 and 13, he calls us to uh, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So that's in Colossians 3, 12, and 13. Well, if you go back to Colossians 3, 11, it says, here there is not, speaking of this, this new life in Christ, um, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And I, I think, you know, that, that, that uh, list of, you know, cultural outward differences among God's people mm -hmm. is, a, is a window into one of the challenges that we face in, in the body of Christ. And that is that we do, in fact, bring uh, significant differences to the table, 
different different cultural backgrounds, uh, you know, different socioeconomic backgrounds. You, you, obviously, you have the you have the Jew, you know, the Jew Gentile distinction. Uh, you, you have, um, you know, you might you might think of uh, the, you know, what about what about those sophisticated philosophical Greeks as opposed to those, you know, kind of rough, uneducated barbarians, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, or, or, or you have, or you have, you have rich and poor and, and you just, the fact of the matter is, is that the context in which you grow up, the context in which you are nurtured and instructed and your, your outlook and, and your expectations are formed for better or, or, or not. Um, <clears throat> and, and yet then, then, uh, you know, through the grace of Christ, we, we come together and form this multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-socioeconomic body of believers. And, um, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't just automatically uh, shed our cultural instincts. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're there. They're they're, 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 they're at least in the background of our minds and can spring forth in how we view other people within the body, you know, and, and we can have a very, uh, it's a very human tendency to gather with those who are most like us. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, a. um, I might, I might save this quotation for later. Um, so, so, you know, I think I think that the challenge upon us is to remember that um, our identity truly must be found in Christ. Mm -hmm. All of us. I mean, you see that at the end of Colossians three eleven. But Christ is all and in all. Christ is the one who matters. Mm -hmm. Christ is in and among all of his believing people. Um, he is in them and they are in him. It says in Colossians 3, 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then uh, you also will appear with him in glory. And, and, and in Christ, it's, it, you know, it talks about in verse 10, how we've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so we, we, really, we really have to come to terms with the fact that um, Christ has to be at the center. Christ is the one who defines our identity. Um, Christ is the one who holds us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> and, you know, and Christ is far greater than all of these cultural or socioeconomic differences that might exist within within the body of believers, and we we should, um, you know, that that should motivate us to to bear with those who th they they were brought up differently than we were. They had a different experience in the society in which we live. Um, maybe they were, maybe they were very privileged. Maybe they were, maybe they were uh, underprivileged. Uh, you know, maybe they received a great education. 
uh, maybe they didn't. Maybe you know, maybe in the context here, you know, maybe they 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 were they they were brought up in a in a a, a faithful Jewish household where they they learned the you know, the law of Moses and the prophets, and they drank deeply from the well of scripture. And then, and then when, when they realized that all was fulfilled in Christ, all the riches of the Old Testament just came alive, and they're very conversant with those things. Whereas somebody else, they grew up in a, in a pagan context where they didn't have the benefit of being, right. being nurtured in the words of the Lord from, from being a young child. And, and so they bring all kinds of different instincts and habits and dispositions into mm -hmm. their walk with Christ. And yet, and yet that person is as much a believer as the other one. That, that person is as much beloved by God as the other one. Um, Christ is at work in both of them. And um, so I, I think, you know, those kind of thoughts can help us to, we, we have to, we have to make room for one another and we have to see each other in, in relationship to Christ. Indeed. Yeah, you had you had said this like walk worthy of the calling to which you were called, and being in Christ, like to kind of nail that down a little bit, so it's not it's not um, abstract. The way I nail it down was been very helpful for me is First uh, Peter two nine and ten. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar peculiar people. Um, that you should show forth the glory of God who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That is us. We are peculiar. We are kings and we are priests of his kingdom. And that is, that is what we are called to. And that is now. That's not far off. That is for today. We are to be walking and living as kings and priests, as holy and noble kings and priests in his kingdom today. Mm -hmm. And this, this is how I, how I nail down in Christ. Like we are in his kingdom by faith and we are kings and priests in this kingdom and we are in this together. And this is for today. It's not for far off. It's not for after, after we die only. It is for now. Um, we are to be moving in that direction now. Um, and some other ideas that kind of build off of that is th this is our hope. This is our blessed hope. And faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. We, we have faith and we share this faith. This gives substance and evidence to our hope. And our hope is for the kingdom of God and we are in that kingdom by faith. And these ideas, they just knit together so nicely um, that how, how is a king supposed to deal with somebody who is less than becoming, less than, the greats on his nerves? Well, king's gonna, a king is going to deal with that in a noble way. He's going to deal with that with it in an upright way. He's going to be gracious. Like you think of any, any, any stories of great and noble kings, and well, the things that make them stand out are the th when they are gracious. Mm -hmm. 
and they're patient and they're kind to someone that they didn't even need to be kind to. Like we had talked a while back now about David and he showed mercy when he could have lopped that, that guy's head off. who was yeah. insulting him. I, I yeah. blank on his name at the moment. Um, but, you know, he showed great compassion and great patience and forbearance with somebody who rightly deserved to mm-hmm. be executed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if This is just an earthly example of what should be a spiritual reality for us. Mm-hmm. It, we are now in the position of, of children growing up into the likeness of a perfect king. We are children growing up into the likeness of, of the perfect high priest. Jesus, the high priest. And like, you know, you can think of stories, you can think of examples in scripture of Samuel growing up in the presence of Eli, you know, he's growing up in this and or the sons, Hophni and Phinehas. I'm sure Hophni and Phinehas gave Samuel a really rough time, but Hophni and, but, but Samuel's position was to forbear with them, even though they deserved impatience. He had to be patient with them because he is growing up to be a prophet of God. He is growing up in, in service to the tabernacle under Eli. How would we, how would he, how would he be supposed to behave? Well, I'm going to take lessons from that. And I'm going to take lessons from that for my own life. How am I supposed to behave? As a child of the king, as a child of the great high priest, who has offered atonement for our sins, I, I have no excuses if I don't show forbearance to my brethren who are also growing just like I am. Um, yeah, you know, and we can do this in this way. We, we live in the kingdom now. Another, another, uh, Another aspect of bearing with one another in in terms of other people's differences, how they're different from us. Um, there, there's another aspect to that that I wanna I wanna pursue. Sure. Um, and uh, you're you're absolutely right. We you know we need to reflect the the kindness and grace and mercy and generosity of of our King of King Jesus, and we need to reflect that that kindness and generosity to one another. And it should, it should, honestly, it should be our joy to do so. And when it is not our joy to do so, we, we have to, we, we, we have, we should repent. We should, we should, um, you know, turn to the Lord for grace that he would, he would change our heart and make us a better reflection of his, of his generosity. Um, but so, but along the lines of this, you know, bearing with one another, we've talked about bearing with one another in terms of like cultural and, and socioeconomic differences. There's another one that I want to pursue, um, and that is bearing with one another um, in view of, of different, um, let's say, different, different convictions. Uh, on certain matters in terms of how the sure. Christian life is to, is, yeah, to, is, sure. is to be lived out. Um, I, uh, I, I preached a sermon on this um, a few years ago. Uh, it's called Welcome One Another. It's available online, a sermon on Romans 14, 1 to 15, 7. And 
some of the podcast listeners will probably remember that because that was the that was the the tennis tennis balls and two buckets sermon where I actually had you know uh, tennis balls representing different issues and is this is this a core teaching or is this a secondary matter? Oh, cool. You know, and uh, I part of me thinks that 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 whole that sermon needs to be updated, not in terms of the principles. The principles are remain the same, but. The, the, the biblical principles they don't change but uh, but in terms of the 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 application uh, some of the applications that we 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 need to think through as a as a congregation but um, I, I was I was uh, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day um, and some of uh, our podcast listeners might actually want to listen to to this podcast I'll mention what it is but uh, so there's an author, Jamie Dunlop, and he wrote a book called Love the Ones Who Drive You Crazy. Good title, huh? Love the Ones Who Drive You Crazy. And he and I've, I've not read the book, but, but this podcast interview was him talking about the book. Uh, it was a recent uh, podcast from Nine Marks. It's their uh, Pastor's Talk podcast. And it was a recent episode, and Jamie Dunlop is on there talking about this book. And in the book, he 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 derives, I think I think it's eight eight principles or lessons from like Romans chapters twelve through fifteen for how we how we you know how how we need to love people who who you know push our buttons and rub us the wrong way. But in the course of that interview with Jamie Dunlop. He said something that I thought was really profound, and I'm not, I'm not, I, I have not fully thought through this, but I think uh, there's at least something very helpful about this line of thought. And the, one of the points he made was that that if you're if you're uh, faithfully ministering the Word of God, you actually. The, the, the situation that might actually develop in your church over time is that you have people in the church who have some significant differences on some, some issues of, of, you know, of, of, of conviction on certain lifestyle issues or matters of conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let me illustrate it this way. If you if you were if you were a church, and you were you were teaching the Bible, but in addition to teaching the Bible, you were emphasizing a lot of uh, Christian cultural distinctives, like you you were you were very visibly emphasizing them and embodying them. Okay, so the the idea would be, okay, we 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 teach the Bible. And we teach the Bible from the King James Version. And you will be here on Sundays in your Sunday best. You know, men will wear a shirt and tie and dress pants, coat optional. Uh, women will wear dress of a certain length, uh, maybe head, co- head coverings or scarves. Um, uh, nobody will drink alcoholic beverages. Mm-hmm. Uh Nobody will frequent certain places of entertainment. Everybody will send their children to the local Christian school down the street. And, and, and I could keep going on and on. Mm-hmm. But if you, if, you, if you, in addition to teaching the Bible, emphasized, talked about, 
embodied and made visible all of these different kinds of, of, of cultural expressions, um, then you know what you're going to get is that you're going to have uniformity mm-hmm. in your church. Yeah. Sounds, like, sounds very everyone's, militaristic. Everyone's good. Like, yeah, everyone's going to look the same. Yeah. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean everyone's like truly buying into it from the heart, but it, but but outwardly there's going to be this kind of uniformity. Well, yeah, we King James version man dress a certain way, certain places we don't go, certain things we don't do. Um, but and, but Jamie Dunlop's point was, if you're if you're faithfully teaching the Word of God, faithfully proclaiming the gospel, and keeping Christ central. And you're not going down these other trails where you're 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 turning you're turning what might be legitimate, uh, you know, personal convictions for believers into basically the law for all believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you're if you're not doing that, if you're avoiding that trap, then what you end up with is a congregation where uh, some people wear. Uh, their Sunday best, and some people wear jeans and a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, some people read from the King James, and some people read from the NIV. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, some people enjoy a glass of wine with dinner, and and some people can't, couldn't fathom it, mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, Jamie Dunlop's point was: if you have in your congregation people who are who are uh, who have differences among themselves on some, you know, significant secondary issues in terms of the implications of how biblical principles get worked out in their lives. Jamie Dunlop's point was, you might be doing something right. You might be keeping the gospel central and Christ central. And, and yeah, of course you're teaching the, 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 the words and, and the principles and the commandments of scripture. But in terms of all the the details and implications and applications for how that gets worked out in people's lives, you 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 you're you're leaving room rightly for individual believers and families to to work out a lot of those details. Mm-hmm. So you end up with a congregation where there are significant differences, and uh, you know, and so Paul talks about this kind of thing in Romans fourteen one, where he says, "As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him." but not to quarrel over opinions. And he doesn't mean opinions like these kind of very minor issues. He's he's talking about, you know, significant moral issues, significant, significant, um, morally significant decisions that you make in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think this is one of the things that we can really struggle with because, um, if you, if you believe that uh, that consuming alcoholic beverages is wrong, then you don't you don't you don't treat that like a mere preference, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a that's right. a that's a serious moral conviction that you know that f- whatever combination of factors you know, scripture itself warns um, about the the dangers of, of of the misuse of alcohol, and maybe you've seen people's lives. Uh, ruined or torn apart mm-hmm. in conjunction with the abuse of alcohol. Maybe, maybe you know someone who was who was killed by a drunk drunk driver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and so 
then, then, then comes along a believer who, who feels, you know, who feels very free to, to, you know, to have a pint mm -hmm. or to enjoy a glass of wine with dinner. Mm -hmm. And, and it can feel, it can feel wrong because yeah. again, we're not talking about like you like the Astros and I like the Dodgers. Right. This is more serious than that. I didn't like the Astros. Well, you know, you like the, I don't know. I don't, but, 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 but it's, it's, you know, it, it's, 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 it's more serious than that. You yes. know, you, yes. one, one family sends their kids to a Christian school and one family sends their kids sure. to a public school. And yep. one, one family sends one, one family homeschools. Like these aren't just like, Oh yeah, this is our preference. Like, these are like these are like seriously important and weighty decisions, and yet believers can disagree among themselves about it. And so, you know, in Romans fourteen one to fifteen seven, Paul urges upon us to have a mindset where, on these significant, um, important matters that are nevertheless they're not absolutely central. To the Christian faith, you you can you can be a genuine Christian and and abstain from meat or abstain from alcohol. You can be a genuine Christian and partake of meat and partake partake of, mm -hmm. of alcohol, and so on. Um, and uh, you know, he tells us to welcome welcome one another. You know, welcome the one who was weak in faith. Yes, we may not always be able to define which which one is the one who is strong in faith and which is the one who is weak in faith. But, sure. but welcome the one who is weak in faith. And then at the beginning of chapter 15 of Romans, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak yes. and not to please ourselves. That's right. And uh, so I want to share this quote from a, 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 a commentator of some centuries ago, a guy named John Trapp. He said, sinful self-love causes men to dislike those things in others that they favor and flatter in themselves. <laughs> Not to think about that. Wow. I'm going to read it again. Yeah, read it again. But, but here's the point. The point is we struggle with differences. Sure. And, 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 and we especially struggle with differences that are really important to our own sense of identity and decision-making. So let me, yes. let me read the quote again. Sinful self-love causes men to dislike those things in others that they favor and flatter in themselves. Hmm. So something to, something to, something to chew on there. Um, but I just, I just want to, I just want to say that we we have to we have to be strong in the lord mm -hmm. we 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 have to be able to um be able to 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 sit down with a brother or a sister who is different than we are who's made a different call on a significant issue and yet we can sit down and assume the best about each other, mm -hmm. you know, it, oh. if you, 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 you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to assume, don't assume that the teetotaler who's not drinking alcohol, don't assume that he or she is legalistic. Right. For the one who is partaking, don't, don't, don't assume that, that this is an unruly, undisciplined, you know, unruly person. 
Yes. But, but that's yeah. often what we do. Right. We often, yeah. we, we, we assume the worst about the other with whom we have a difference. Yeah. And we've got to, we've really got, we've got to see Christ as central, just like you, I think, you know, uh, uh, we don't have a right to judge our brother and sister in these kinds of, these kinds of matters. If, if there's a clear violation of the word, obviously we've got to bring correction. Right. But when it comes to all the applications and implications, we've got to be gracious. I go, go yeah. ahead. You got something to share. So uh, the, the way I have uh, parsed this in the past is uh, a violation of your personal conscience is a violation. It's a sin. If, if, if something personally pricks your conscience and convicts you, you are duty bound to obey that because God has given us a conscience. Um, so like for one, like using these examples, like the, uh, the, the person who wants to have a glass of wine or the person who believes that that is, that's a sin. If that, if that action violates your conscience, then yes, for you, it is a sin. Um, and this is, this is kind of like the, 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 the subjective side of the law, um, uh, uh, the subjective side of the law, like if, if something violates your conscience, then you, you ought not do it. Correct. Correct. Um, it, 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 and that's for you, for that individual. It doesn't, it's not, that is not a law for all people at all times. Correct. It, but if that's where your conscience is, then then obey that and, and do it to the glory of God. What, 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 whatever that is, you know, um, you know, some people have a seared conscience, so uh, maybe a little bit of, uh, uh, wisdom should be applied, but, uh, not whatever it is, uh, just kind of backing up on that phrase a little bit, but, you know, you know if, if your conscience is pricked, it would, it would be a sin to run contrary to your conscience because your conscience is, is designed to inform you of sin in, in many areas of life, but it's a subjective measuring system. Um, God's law is objective. Um, so it, this is something that is like a, a gauge that we carry around with us at all times um, to judge what is right and wrong. And we also, as we grow in, in knowledge and understanding and we grow in faith, then we know more about what is objectively right and wrong. And that starts to inform the individual conscience. And, and people are at different places in their development, in their knowledge and in their faith and in their walk with God and how, whether they eat meat or they don't eat meat, you know, these things are going to be different, but it is so important. So like for the, for the person who thinks that uh, drinking alcohol is a sin, you, you know, obey your conscience. Um, but then for the person who doesn't think that drinking alcohol is a sin, don't, don't do that in front of the person who thinks that it's a sin. Don't, don't, don't flagrantly disregard their conscience. Have regard for that, and the, the text says, the, that weaker brother. That they are your brother. They, they may be weaker. They may not have the same level of understanding. They may have a difference of opinion in this area. And that's not that it doesn't matter. It does matter. It's like and wholeheartedly support them listening to their conscience. Um, and that's, that, that becomes a two-way street. You know, I'm gonna, that weaker brother, I'm going to 
I want to support that person and their being true to their conscience and the glory of God. And that weaker brother should turn and, and be um, gracious towards the, the other one as well, who, ha- who is also following and listening to their conscience to the glory of God. Um, so that's very important. I'm tempted to get more into the law because I've been studying it lately, but I think it's not necessary for this conversation. Well, and, and, and another, another insight that I want to share from, from, uh, from, from Jamie Dunlop, the one who wrote the book, uh, Love the Ones Who Drive You Crazy. Um, we're, we're tempted in our flesh because we, we want things to be easy. And see, I just, I just want to be around people who, who think and act like me across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they eat like me, they talk like me, they, you know, they make the same kind of decisions and we, you know, um, but the point that Jamie, another point that Jamie Dunlop made is that the, the, the glory of Christ and the power of the gospel shines brighter yeah. when it is holding together in loving relationship people who are not like each other. Um, you know, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, uh, you know, partaker, abstainer, um, you know, uh, right on down the list. Um, um, when when the gospel is 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 drawing people who are otherwise very different, drawing them together in humility to respect each other, to love one another, to serve each other, that, that, that shows off the power of the gospel in a way that it doesn't if it's just, oh, yeah, we, we, man, we got, we, got, we got a hundred things in common, and it's doing life together is easy. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know. If that's your context, that's your context. But 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 when you ha- when you have when you have people who we don't have very much in common at all, uh, we have some significant differences. But we have Christ. We have His Word. We have His Spirit, and we're learning to genuinely love and serve each other. That shows off the power of the gospel, and not only that, it also that kind of community can make room for one more who is different. Mm-hmm. And uh, isn't, that, isn't that a wonderful thing? It's such a funny thing. It's like, well, who's, who's the standard for this community? It's, it's Christ, right? Yes. Oh, so if Christ allowed me into this family, I'm, I'm kind of different. So what, how can I turn around to the next person who's different and say, well, you're, I don't know if you're really supposed to be here. Yeah. Like, I'm... If Christ is a standard, I am very, very much not like Christ. Mm-hmm. He, he's perfect, and I am very not. Mm-hmm. So if he's going to invite me, and I, I mean, using the text as, as our example instead of myself, if he's going to invite, you know, Peter, James, <laughs> John, um, if he's going to invite these guys into his fellowship, these are very different people. They are Matthew. They are not. Um, they are not all cut from the same cloth, even though they are from the same culture, or even the same area. You know, they are all very different, and he he keeps bringing people in, 
and who who's the judge of who fits into this group, this ragtag group of misfits? You know, it's like we're all, um, uh, Christmas wasn't that long ago. And as a Christmas tradition, we, we like to watch the, uh, the, the, like the clay, is it clay animation, the little puppets, uh, the old Christmas movies, uh, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and stuff like that. And there's a, there's a scene where there's an island of misfit toys. <laughs> we are, we are an island of misfit toys. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants a Charlie in the box. And it's like, but who's the standard? Mm -hmm. The standard is like the king has allowed all of these misfit toys into mm -hmm. his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And n no one can look to the other toy and say that you're not welcome. It, no one has that authority. Yeah. And, you know, it, Christ is not divided. Yeah. First Corinthians one. And I kind of, I'd kind of like to feel free to fo follow up with, with your own comments after I say this, but I, for my part, I kind of want to close with this line of thought, just, just as a very practical encouragement to our church family. Um, you know, we, we, we've had, um, we, we have a lot of different people within our church family. Um, not that there's, you know, the ethnic diversity isn't so great being in rural, you know, small town, Maine, but, but there's plenty of other differences. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, new people have, have been coming and keep coming. And so the differences continue, you know, keep, just keep multiplying. Um, but I, I just, I think it's good for us to all keep in mind. Why, why do people, why do people come here and stay here? And our assumption should be um, that they, they come here and stay here because they are, they are devoted to Christ. They esteem the Word of God. And they want to be part of a Christian community that is being uh, shaped by that Word of God. And are, 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 are there... Are there differences among us? Sure there are. But, um, but that's, but Christ is not divided. Um, it's his, it's, it's his house. It's his, it's his table. It's, it's his family. And he invites all kinds of different people in, but the, our assumption should be, yeah, you know, some people I don't know, and some people are really different than I am, but I'm going to assume they're here because they love the Lord. They're here because they want to receive the ministry of the word. They're here because they want to they want to connect with other believers. Mm -hmm. And if we can if we can keep that, you know, in our in our heart and mind, um, I think that will that will be helpful, you know. We don't have to we shouldn't think in terms of subdividing the church into this 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 camp and this camp and this camp, but we are we are one body in mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it would be it'd be wonderful if we could continue to grow in that direction of being one body in Christ. And it's like this is that it, this to me brings me back to we are a royal priesthood and this is part of our priestly responsibilities in the kingdom to minister love and patience. Let's see. Minister some humility meekness and patience bearing with one another to guard the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace being kind 
tender-hearted and forgiving as the Lord also forgave us in Christ, being imitators of God as beloved children, not acting as an immature child tossed and borne about by every wind of teaching, but growing into the perfect man to the measure and the stature of the completeness of Christ. That's, this is, this is our holy, noble, priestly responsibility. Just like Zechariah was bringing the incense into the temple, this is how we serve in, in the temple that is now inside of us. And as we all come together, this is how we serve and we continue to minister in this way. So I just I think it would just be the, a wonderful thing if we could have great unity in the midst of whatever surface diversity we can find. And, and you know we, we 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 differ from one another not only in terms of you know cultural and socioeconomic issues. Uh, we differ from one another not only in terms of how we handle you know important secondary matters. We also differ from one another in terms of our giftings. Absolutely. And our roles yes. within the body. Go, and that's super important. To go back to the team metaphor, you know, different roles on the team. But, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we live in a society that has trained us to, to um, you, you know, we, we, we're, we're star conscious. You know, like who's the who's the star? Who's the who's the MVP? Mm. What are the individual statistics? But in a team sport, truly, the team is 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 what is what matters. And you know, just thinking, you know, hey, Aaron, Aaron Daryl, yeah. different gifting, right? Yeah. Really gifted in the area of music and. And we appreciate his his and Caleb his contribution on on the podcast with music. And then yeah, Caleb Lynch is d different than different gifting, you know, in terms of like just so good with mm -hmm. with audiovisual technical stuff and, and just a servant's heart. Um, and you know, he, he's a significant part of the team and getting uh, getting the message out. Um, so we're thankful for both of those men, and uh, uh, we, you know, we we uh, we got some different things planned for the next few weeks, um, and uh, we'll uh, probably revisit the current sermon series a few weeks from now. But we got a couple other things we want to do in the meantime um, on the podcast. But uh, we welcome your we welcome your questions and your input. You can email either one of us if you have our uh, personal email address, or you can email podcast at southparisbaptist.org. And again, you might want to check out that author interview, Jamie Dunlop, Love the Ones That Drive You Crazy. You can find that. It's a recent episode on the Nine Marks Pastors Talk podcast. It might even inspire you to, to, buy, the, to buy the book and, and get some good principles for uh, living out unity within the body of Christ. Cool. Well, without further ado, we thank you, uh, our, thank our listeners for joining us, and we just uh, going to just pray as we close. Thank you, Father, for today, and we just thank you for this opportunity to discuss your word. And we ask that your word and your encouragement would be with all of our listeners and, and this local assembly, and we just ask that everyone would go in your grace and your peace as you bless them. In the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.